ボビー、明けましておめでとうございます。明けましておめでとうございます。今年もよろしくお願いします。ああ、こちらこそ、これで。Very nice, very friendly way to start、hey, oh, yeah. 2021. Oh, yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning back in this year. We want to start by thanking not our corporate sponsors, but trust us, they'll be back,、uh, but all the people that have recently、uh, decided to support the show financially. And not just, not just because we're still on show got some mode and we're too lazy to write an advertisement, because. We got so much support on our Buy Me a Coffee page that、uh, it's going to take us a little while to thank everybody, but we want to make sure we do it. So, starting with Lawrence in Kyoto, the guy who joined the Zoom Christmas party episode from a train,、uh, he is a member. Thank you very much. Ian bought us three coffees as a belated Otoshidama. Glenn in Oz also bought us three coffees. He's been binging since he heard me and not you on the Konnichiwa podcast. Good for him. Uh, Pixel Maven is a member. Thank you very much. Also, Pat, thank you for becoming a member. Pat、uh, Pat used to live in Shibuya, missed it dearly, and so the pod is a nice nostalgia open bracket river cruise trip. Anne, who as our guest tonight became a member and claimed our first ever Japan by River Cruise merchandise sticker pack,、uh, which she would have gotten for free just by being a guest. So, sorry, Anne. Uh, Cloud also had Chris Cloud bought us three coffees.、Uh, he says he usually doesn't care for cishet white guys, but he thinks we're actually hella chill. And also, he's proposing in a month. Con- congratulations, slash good luck.、Oh, good on him. Congra- Wait, no, I'm proposing in a month. Let me change that to congratulations, maybe. Oh, yes, we don't know how it went, <laughs> but we assume it went well.、Uh, anyway, thank you very much、uh, for, for supporting us. We genuinely appreciate it.、Uh, thanks to Brian Waters. Who bought five coffees? That's a lot of coffee. That's like、we'll、the third time he's bought us five coffees. Thank you, Brian. He should become a member, really. He, he should, should just become, become a just member. Become He'll a get member. some bonus bits.、Uh, Natasha,、uh, who bought a coffee, saying all the masturbation jokes were a pleasure. That's witty. We like it. Thank you very much, Natasha. She,、uh, she might be referring to the Christmas episode because there were a lot of them, but I think she's probably referring to、um, our entire career of episodes. <laughs> yeah.、Um, also, Brian in Seattle、uh, has bought us three coffees. We're very, very glad. And Lewis Prawn became a member and wrote this <laughs> insane paragraph that we'll, It's insane. we'll tweet out、It's、at、mad. some point. <laughs> Just, yeah, if you want to see it for yourself, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan by River Cruise.、Uh, it's anyone that was there for the live recording and could see what he was doing on Zoom will understand that. Like, you will look at this paragraph and you'll go, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that makes sense.、Uh, by the way, you can watch the video of the live stream、uh, if you become a member. We've posted that. So there we go.、That's, and also, there's a section while Bobby is trying to say something serious, and I, cannot, I just cannot stop looking at whatever Lewis is doing on the webcam.、Uh, so that's, that's worth watching me trying to maintain professionalism、uh, while watching like a frog somehow do something weird with a, an Imperial Asahi can. All odd stuff. Anyway, we appreciate your support. Thank you guys so much.、Uh, Yeah, thanks so much.、Uh, genuinely, we cannot do the show without your support. We've started this episode this way. For anyone who's not a member or anyone who's just joined the podcast, we understand this is boring, but it's really important to us to thank you because without you guys, we simply couldn't do it. If you'd like to join and become a member, you'll get an episode、uh, every single week, just like everyone else. The podcast is free. We want it to be accessible. Plus, you'll also get some bonus material, which doesn't make the main episode. Plus, where we can, we will release the episode early to you. And if we hit our monthly goal, Of $250 a month. That's it. Very humble little goal there. We will do a monthly Zoom Nominkai hosted by either Bobby or me or both of us together if we're getting on that day for everyone who is a member. We look forward to doing that when we reach our goal. If you'd like to help us do it, then please do. Until then, 
let's play the jingle and start the first episode of 2021. Brian san kotoshi mo yoroshiku Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Anne Kilzer, co-founder of Speaker, software engineer at Mercari, and creative director of the Tokyo Wan Ferry, Japan's first cruise ship for dogs. Anne, thank you for being here. Can we call you Anne, or should we use your full name, which I believe is Brian? Um, oh, did you mean Brian? Uh, yeah, just, just call me Anne for now. <laughs> I knew I was going to pronounce that wrong. Uh, on this week's show, we talk about the various ways to find jobs and get visas in Japan, which might seem kind of mean-spirited, considering that if you're not here right now, you literally can't do any of that. But hey, if the entry restrictions ever get lifted, and you don't mind knowing that you'll be a second-class citizen, some of it might be useful eventually. Plus, Ali's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, Bobby. This week's recommendation is the Asahi Factory Boat Tour in Sumida, Tokyo, their headquarters. The boat actually floats on the actual vats that store the beer, and passengers are invited to help create Asahi's distinct flavor by pissing overboard. Also, we went on Lucky Waters Nagano's first ever Fukubukuro River Cruise. The owners told us that they've always wanted to incorporate the New Year shopping tradition of buying items unseen in Lucky bags. But because you can't bag up an entire riverboat, they had to settle for having the passengers themselves enjoy the cruise while hermetically sealed in opaque plastic. Cruises last as long as you can hold your breath. More on that later, but first, Soap Talk. Anne, thanks for joining us again. You were one of the Bryans who joined us on our live uh, Japan by River Cruise over Christmas. So thank you for coming back aboard. It's been now two weeks since we've released the show. Bobby, has anything notable happened in the intervening fortnight? Well, yes, 2020 is over. Um, and because it's over now, everything is good. Apparently, That's good. Right? 2021, everything's yes. great. Uh, and you were here with us for Christmas, yes. and now you're on our first show of the new year. Um, does anybody have any good New Year's resolutions they want to share? I don't know if I have a resolution so much as maybe just some goals. I, I think this year I'm trying to not put too much pressure on myself given the pandemic, but I'm trying to remind myself to be kind and patient with other people. So that's that's my New Year's goal. That's too nice. Yeah, I did the exact opposite. I put a ton of pressure on myself this year. <laughs> We're going to try to fix everything that went wrong last year. Well, I play a lot of violent video games if it makes you feel better. So, yeah. What about you, Ali? Uh, well, I don't have resolutions. And in fact, I the only thing which I've decided to do is focus on my habits. Because I realize that like anytime I've decided to do anything, it doesn't happen. But, yeah. but what does happen is my habits compound. And occasionally I have a good habit and that compounds to something good. So all, I, all I'm trying to do is like suppress my bad habits to the extent to which that the positive habits can somehow let something good happen. Yeah. I, I know that's a bit of a wanky answer, but that is true. Also, I mean, some other positive goal that people are happy. I want to uh, I want to create a vaccine for the, the coronavirus. <laughs> I don't have don't have anything that that ambitious, but uh, I started writing a book last year. Um, last year, I, I uh, passed my ten year anniversary of being on TV in wow. Japan, and I thought it'd be interesting to start kind of like putting together a memoir about it. And I did. I started. I got I got just over a hundred pages, and this year I was like, I really want to complete it. And so I sat down to to look at it today, and was like, you know what? 
you know, just to kind of light a fire under myself, I should query a publisher. And I got a response and they were like, yes, can you send us the manuscript? So now I have to finish it. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 I, 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 I just no, want I, to publish a book. I don't want to write the book. <laughs> <laughs> Your approach to publishing is like Trump's approach to the presidency. He wants to be the president, but he doesn't want to do the job of the president. Yeah. <laughs> you want to have written an excellent bestseller. <laughs> you can put a lot of pictures in it. I just, I just wanted to feel better about myself. I didn't want you to make me do work. I'll tell you what has made me feel good about myself. Anytime which I felt a bit sad about the fact that uh, all of the predictions about the virus being over in a matter of months and then a matter of a few more months and then things getting worse uh, and then watching my own country turn into virus island from afar and uh, just seeing through reported speech on Twitter the rhetoric of well now Brexit's happened we can close our borders and Britain not closing its borders to international passengers meaning that the, the, the numbers of covid cases continue to go up um after feeling quite sad that i'm still in malaysia for anyone that's interested I, I, the malaysian government have given a visa reprieve for another three months anyway for anyone who wants to stay here which i'm very grateful for um the, the one thing i must say that has made me feel very connected uh, is the fact that uh, we're continuing to do this and that i can continue to be creative and do creative things from afar so everyone that listens to this um I do genuinely appreciate it. We've already thanked you at the start of the show if you're a monthly member, but anyone that has listened to anything that I do, anything I've put online, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for. And actually, I've, I've kick-started my mailing list again, so Bobby won't mind me doing a little plug. Uh, if you go to ollihorn.com, I send an email occasionally, and sometimes it's quite funny. So if you want non-River Cruise-related content from me, that's where you'll find it. Not true. Not true, by the way. We'll discuss this uh, when we're not in front of the children. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, well, well, not true that you don't mind me saying it. Oh no, no, yeah, that was the joke. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing that one goal I have for 2021, which uh, we've said before, is I want to get back into Japan. I've not been to Japan now for a long time. Yeah, we we dearly want to meet some of the listeners. I mean, it's weird to believe that I started this podcast after I left Japan. Right. This uh, my, my exit of Japan predates the show. And so I dearly want to get back, meet some of you, uh, maybe do some live some live podcast recordings. That is a goal for 2021. But in order to do that, the borders will need to be reopened and I might need to get myself a visa, which is broadly what we're going to be discussing in the news. So, Bobby, shall we take a look at for the first time in 2021? The news. Bobby Jiro, what's in the news this week? Well, anybody who's been following uh, Japan news, especially coronavirus news over the last couple of weeks, has seen that one of the ways Japan has reacted to a huge spike in uh, corona numbers is it's been to uh, shut down their borders, crack down on entries, and suspend all new visas. So in light of the fact that you can't currently get into Japan, we thought it would be a great time to talk about how we all have jobs in Japan and give you advice that, given the situation, amounts to basically rubbing your nose in the fact that we're here and you're not. Uh, as Ali mentioned earlier, you know, if anybody wants to invent their own vaccine, I'm sure they'll let you in. But other than that, we wanted to kind of uh, try to do a little bit or of an evergreen. Or sell the vaccine. Have you heard this news? <laughs> I did. There's a black I did. market now. Yeah. Ooh. Tokyo, yeah. uh, Tokyo companies and big Japan companies, people are getting uh, under the table vaccines. I didn't even realize it had been approved here yet. Yeah. Bad in it. No, well, that's why it's under the table. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we want to talk about this week. 
if you want to move to Japan, how do you get into Japan? And I mean, firstly, the question is, why would you want to? I mean, we've spent so so much of last year talking about what a yeah. what a hard time people have when they're there. Well, that was the the joke that I made in an old episode about how like I applied for permanent residency now, like once it's become abundantly clear that it means nothing. <laughs> yeah, it does mean one thing for me: just having gone through a job search and having risked my visa to stay here, it means a little more job security for me. But it also means that I might not want to leave the island <laughs> or the islands. <laughs> and Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but it's on my list of uh, oh. something to look into in the next year. This whole corona pandemic situation and the entry crackdown situation and the immigration situation has just added this extra level of frustration for me with the microaggression where Japanese people go like, so are you going home? When they ask you if you're going home for the holidays, if you're going home for Christmas, or it's one of those things that I deal with every year. We're already like, it's frustrating because I'm not going home. This is my home and I don't celebrate Christmas. I'm Jewish. But this year there was literally no decrease in the number of people asking me. So you're going <laughs> home for the holidays? It was like, no, I, I, I like can't. that you call it a microaggression. <laughs> I hadn't used that term, but it feels exactly like that. I mean, it's more that I'm I'm having yeah. the conversations with my parents now. What happens if someone dies? Like, what happens? Because I might not be able to leave Japan. And my mom was actually like, don't. <laughs> but it's a hard conversation to have with your parents. Yeah. I mean, I love them deeply, but I'm very far away from them. It really is. And we actually, we had this on a previous show. We actually had testimony from someone who, who kindly agreed to be recorded of basically she, she couldn't go back to her father's own funeral back in France because of, of these restrictions. But if things ever do go back to normal and you still want to come over here, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the different paths to be able to do that. Ali, originally you came over on a student visa. Yes. Well, I, I was on a, a bit of a, a weird visa category. I think I was called a Kenkyu Shao, Kenkyu Sei, one of those two words, which is like a lot more easily renewable. So unlike if you join a language school where there's... It's a researcher. Yeah, researcher. Yeah. Uh, and unlike if you join a language school, it's a lot easier to, to kind of re renew it for six months at a time or I think up to one year at a time. And it was also tied to the MEXT program which is the Japanese government uh, kind of funding for postgrads. Right. And so there came a point where I'd basically finished my uh, graduate thesis and I was doing more and more work kind of in the media. And I looked into all the different visa parts. I also have my startup as well. So I was thinking maybe I register a company. And in the end, what I found was that by far the simplest thing to do was to stay on that track. And so my faculty gave me like a once a week uh, kind of job, uh, kind of a teaching adjacent position and so i managed to, to stick on that for an extra i think 18 months which was great but some of the other tracks which I, I could have explored were setting up a company which is doable you need a certain amount of capital and you also there are some rules about having to employ japanese people native right. japanese people not just uh people with japanese visas but native japanese which i always found a bit, always found a bit odd um and so all that stuff is doable, and particularly in cities like Fukuoka, there's p people there to help you. And so that's kind of what I was considering. Um, but one thing I wasn't considering was the entertainer's visa, um, because that's a it's really, really, really hard to get. And I think a lot of people that are in entertainment tend to be on a different track. Yeah, they, they check to see whether or not you're entertaining. <laughs> Yes, which I, which I would have. Well, actually, that's funny. They don't. That's one of the things they don't check. But one of the things they do, because we, we looked into this, because after I left the country, I was offered the job of opening for Jim Gaffigan in Tokyo. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Th that, that was booked through Live Nation. 
And in the end, it couldn't happen because we couldn't get the paperwork done in time. But in order for that to happen, you need to be a company that's registered in Japan, right? And you need to have been dealing with entertainers for something like five years. And you need to be submitting all these documents. So in order to sponsor an entertainer's visa for me to come back in the country and perform, it needs to be through a local kind of production company that meets this crazy high standard that right. they have all these inspections and so it just happens so so rarely and the costs associated with getting these visas are so high it's only worth it if it's for someone very very highly paid such as jim gaffigan and not his opener um or you know someone that's say on a year-long contract at universal studios let's say yeah um you mentioned the the researcher visa was the easiest path to just maintain that um and I do want to mention that I've heard from other people in the past from like uh, graduate students from different Asian countries that the problem with the uh, researcher visa is that you're totally at the mercy of your school. And especially yes, for some true. of the Asian countries, they can be exploitative. Like you said, you know, you can just renew it every six months. But from some of the stories I heard, it was more like you could renew it every six months as long as your university still wanted to exploit you. As long as they still had a use for you. Well, yes. I mean, I, I thankfully, I, I never had that kind of dynamic. And, and I had a very good relationship with my faculty. And they were very supportive of me, you know, sticking around. And I yeah. tried to make myself useful. But yes, I've, I've certainly heard stories like that. And also, there are limitations on how much you can work, right? You can only work up 20 hours a week on this visa. You need, you need special permission. Which, again, for someone like me, that didn't bother me too much. Because I was doing fairly, relatively high-paying work for a short amount of time doing entertainment stuff, you know, on the radio yeah. or, or adverts or whatever. But certainly I know in order for people to get around this, what they do is, uh, you know, some people are hired in a slightly exploitative way under the table doing pot washing and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, what I would say is from for me, the way I got into Japan was completely above board and I would recommend it. It's going through the MEX program. You know, they, they pay for your flight in. They support you well when you're there. And if you have a good relationship with your faculty and you're doing something useful, you're extremely free. You know, I, I could have taken a master's course if I wanted. I could have done a research project if I wanted. I could have taken undergrad courses if I wanted. Uh, really, you can kind of shape your own future. And I'm very glad that uh, I was... I had a relationship with people who allowed me to not only do my academic stuff, but also, you know, I had time to do some interpreting for some lawyers in a court, and I had all this time to then do all the entertainment stuff as well. Well, you came over on that track. Uh, I came over on the English teaching track, uh, which I think, you know, if you have time to check out the extras, we talked about how a lot of people, you know, come over on an English teaching track or on a student track and use that as their in to get into Japan. Um, and now I've got a marriage visa, um, which is... Uh, a route that a lot of people take just because they want to be here. In my case, I'm proud to say that it's not. Uh, we, we actually didn't want to get married and apply for a marriage visa until I had a five-year uh, validity on, on a different visa, just because I hated that idea of you know people thinking that we'd gotten married for the visa. But the reason that we wanted to talk to Anne in this specific episode is because uh, she's the only one of us who has the experience of coming over without a work visa and then finding a sponsor while in country. Yeah, is right? it is. Um, I did something really strange. I don't necessarily recommend it, uh, but I think it's an interesting story. It was the right choice for me, and I'd like to qualify it with I'm a person of a certain privilege. I'm white. I work in tech. Um, and I had, I guess, the financial means to sustain myself a couple months to do this crazy thing. But I was in this place right. where I was kind of unhappy. Uh, I had been at, at a previous company. I'd been in Japan briefly with Indeed. I wanted to come back. I ended up quitting that job 
and just coming out here on a one-way ticket. But I quickly learned, you can't get in on a one-way ticket. You need a ticket out. They don't want people doing the things yeah. I did. <laughs> so, but your <laughs> ticket doesn't have to be back. It just has to leave the country. Yeah. The one-way ticket is such a trope in movies, isn't it? But as a screenwriter, it's like, she goes in on a one-way ticket. But then the very next scene is an immigration official going, I'm sorry, that's not allowed. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, no matter how romantic it seems. I think that's actually kind of what I was doing, though. I was unhappy and I was doing some like self-help things. And some of them were honestly saying like, you know, you know, just make it happen, you know, tell yourself you've done it. And I was kind of trying to write yeah. my, an interesting story with my life. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. But, but before you do that, you don't just do that. You have to do all this detachment and things. I mean, I, I got rid of 80% of my belongings. You know, I had been trying to interview from afar, uh, but it just wasn't working. It felt like people yeah. didn't take me seriously. And they said, well, you're an engineer. Okay. But why? Why are you coming to Japan? And they didn't yeah. believe me until I got here. And when I got on the ground, somehow people took me seriously. I think that that makes a big difference. But I do also want to uh, raise this point, especially in light of recent news that you talk about, you know, having to detach or leaving a previous job or, you know, getting rid of most of your stuff, all this preparation that goes into making that move. That is the reason that so many people are struggling and feeling so much frustration with the suspension of new mm -hmm. visa granting and with the uh the immigration crackdown and i don't think it's yes always necessarily because everybody goes i want to go to japan and i'm upset that i can't do what i want to do it's because they've invested so much in it 100 percent. and there's a huge opportunity cost as well isn't yeah it? and that isn't to say that that they should be allowed in because of that but but they i do feel like they deserve totally. a little bit of empathy. i mean it's it's a sort of a metaphorical death of like letting go of your old life. And I can only imagine having to prolong that for a year or more would just be agonizing. Yeah. You'd already committed to buying a, a, a return ticket that you weren't planning on using and then you didn't get to use either of the tickets. <laughs> I, I never went to Vancouver. No, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, but certainly, you know, when I, when I think about when I joined this program in Japan, at that point in my life, I was extremely ambitious and I had like three different backup choices and I would be really annoyed if I'd, you know, committed to going to Japan, you know, made, made all these preparations and said no to other things. So, yeah, I do, I do agree that like my, my view is actually like we are in the middle of a global health crisis. And so it's absolutely fine for countries to make decisions that prioritize the health of everyone rather than people's individual circumstances. So mm. that is my view. And it's not, a, it doesn't seem like a particularly popular view. But on the other hand, absolutely, I do have sympathy for people who, uh, you know, have made a big life commitment to, to go to Japan. And then literally three or four days later are told, sorry, the rules have, have, the rules have now changed when they themselves don't pose any greater threat to the health of the country than they did three days before because they yeah. still would have had to have tested yeah. and isolated uh, or whatever but and i'm interested about this idea of you kind of going uh without having a job in place because this is kind of what people don't advise right i mean firstly we should say that not everyone can do this for for many countries in the world if you have uh, a passport you can't just turn up to the country you need to apply for a visa and it's very specific that you're not allowed to job hunt on the tourist visa so on the one hand yeah. you know you you're lucky that you have a passport that allows you to you know to, to rock up and you don't have to um you know you don't have to leave straight away you can stay for is it three months renewable three up months. to six months yeah, in theory 90 days and so i came on february 14th uh 2018 
I guess I just wanted to miss Valentine's okay. Day. And I landed to a bunch of nice lines <laughs> at the Godiva and uh, lived in Sakura House in uh, Shibuya for a couple months. Um, What's that? It's a Sakura House really helped. It's a foreigner friendly share house and apartment um, network. And basically, it's very hard to rent in Japan if you're not a resident. They want to see your yeah. resident card. It takes months. And this is a place that just says, you can pay with a credit card. We just want to see your passport. And it works a little more internationally friendly. And it's more like a hotel then. Yeah, except um, the share house is kind of nice because you get uh, you get to meet some people and you get to live with people um, that are really interesting. So mm. I lived with a bunch of German women and I can speak German. So actually what we do is gossip in German. And uh, we also had a rat in our share house. So it was a bit... Uh, a bit much. Well, that's at par first. for the course for Shibuya. Yeah, yeah. The Shibuya's got a rat problem, but you know, it wasn't the nicest house, but the people were wonderful. The rat thing, it just reminded me when we first started trying to put together a, a comedy Japan and do like regular jokes to put out like social media content. One of the first jokes that we ever did was they started a hedgehog cafe. <laughs> you know, a hedgehog cafe wasn't that innovative. You know, Shibuya had al already been doing rat bars for years, <laughs> they had the rat family mart. I think it got shut down. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, we'll leave that topic to the Kambini boys. <laughs> so, so you, so you arrive. <laughs> hey, let's let's check out this hall. It's a rat. Uh, so you arrive, <laughs> vaguely knowing that you want to do a job in tech because you're an experienced engineer. That there's a certain profile of job which you wanted. So th this wasn't the case of someone who just graduated from college going, I just want to have some formative experience. I don't care what I do. I just want to be in Japan. You you kind of were going, yeah, there's a reason I want to be in Japan. And listen to the extras, by the way. It's a very interesting mm -hmm. reason. Uh, but also, you're not just going to give up on your well-paying, uh, stimulating well, job in tech. I honestly, yeah. I had a timer in my head and it was about at six weeks. That was about the halfway point where I was like, actually, I, uh, this is the point where I start looking for English teaching jobs. It's so funny, though, because I, I kind of feel like we're treading on really thin ice here because I'm sure we have a lot of people in, who listen to the show who are English teachers in Japan. Um, but but that idea of like English teaching is your last resort as your fallback. You're like, well, if my life, if nothing else in my life works out, at least I could teach English. No, I don't want to say that's easy or something. And, and I mean, I, there's probably a oh, lot. I'm not, I don't... I'm not implying that that's what you're saying. That uh -huh. That's what I think on a regular that's basis. That's what everyone yeah. thinks. <laughs> And, okay. and, and 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 it, it is a oh man. It's it is such a it, it's such a shame because like teaching is such a noble profession. And if there's one thing that Japan is constantly criticised for, it's the level of English ability of Japanese people compared to the quality of all their other education. And like English teachers can fix that if only they were given yeah. just slightly more money and dare I yeah. say a little bit more respect. But they're not, mm. and we have to deal with that. And if you're an English teacher listening to this, we respect you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only know secondhand. One of my share housemates was a wonderful woman from Germany. She's trilingual. She's fluent in English, almost almost native, and was teaching English. And she had stories. It was hard work. The main problem is, and this reminds me of my friend Nick Milnes's joke, which is, I knew when I was in Asia, I knew that I had what it takes to teach English. It's all up here white skin and yeah. that unfortunately yeah. is the hiring policy of many that, places they take on people who look like they're an english teacher without the skills that's why yeah. it's a last resort <clears throat> and a fallback yeah. option for everybody because the sad truth is in japan you don't 
have to be good at it for you for, mm-hmm. for you to make a living at it. I think we're all a little naive when we come to Japan. There's a lot we don't know until you live here. Well, h- how did the process work? Like, how did you go about looking for jobs? I mean, I think Ali and I never really had to go through like a job hunt process. So my the extent of my knowledge is like, I'm aware that gaijin pot is a thing. Uh, the two places, uh, maybe three places I would look for for a job as a, as a tech person or an engineer is... Um, Paul McMahon runs this site called uh, Tokyo uh, Tokyo Dev, um, and it's really great because not only does it have job listings, but it also has um, it has a lot of information on different types of visas for engineers, and it's just really transparent. Hmm. So that's a really great resource. I think LinkedIn is decent, and if you're if you find the right recruiter, uh, like be choosy. Not all recruiters are going to be super helpful, but there's a couple that will do great things for you if, if you can work together well. And then the third is just networking, um, asking people. How much of an essentiality is, um, is Japanese ability, would you say? Um, you know, and this is, again, the privilege coming in. It's pretty low in tech. There's a lot of Western companies here that you don't need to know any Japanese or you need to know very little. Um, I used to work at Indeed and, you know, they hire a lot of people and there's a lot of great opportunities at that company. Um, you don't need to speak Japanese. Uh, mm. Google, Amazon, you know, these big tech companies, startups, the first startup I worked at was founded by some Canadians. And um, I'm at Mercury okay, I just now, Googled is... Amazon. What did you want me to do next? <laughs> All right, close your tabs. Um, it looks no, like it's a hit. rainforest. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm, I'm currently at Mercari, and this company is really interesting because they don't, uh, affi- they haven't officially chosen a language. Oh, you're at Mercari. That's Meducari. why you want to close yeah, the Amazon Mercari. And um, I, I kind of like it because they're really allowing it to be bilingual, and they offer a lot of support and Yasashi communication training. I know you did an episode a while back on Yasashi communication and that was really cool yeah, yeah. so we got the official training at work and i actually shared your podcast you get extra points ali oh, make a note she gets extra you. points Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 66 of Japan by River Cruise. Don't forget, we have a mailing list at japanbyrivercruise.com. We send a monthly roundup of all the best bits. Thank you so much to our guest this week, Anne Kilzer. It was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, We'd love to have you back sometime. Thanks for having me. And yeah, for any women interested in public speaking or who already do public speaking, please check out speakher.jp. We'd love to add you to our database to help spread the word about great speakers in Japan. Thanks very much, and we will see you guys next week.